But about 12 years ago, Sam and uh, his siblings came here after just losing their mother. Um, 11 years exact. Their, their mother died in 2007, leaving behind a 17, two 17-year-old, Grace and Sam and their siblings, nine, uh, which were nine, seven, and six, which was uh, Emmanuel and Heaven and Joseph. And Sam said, you know, as a result, he struggled with stuttering, um, wrestled with depression, suicidal, and low thoughts of low self-esteem. And um, upon finishing high school, he only made a 15 on his ACT and his chances of look bleak. But say, but God. He said, as a result of coming into the body of Christ, though he lost a mom, he gained many spiritual mothers who have spoken into their lives and loved he and his family. Even while he's been in the ministry, he and his wife, Kristen, they experienced three miscarriages. Where it seemed devastating while they were working in the Lord. But God has restored and given them three children and the fourth on the way. Come on. Though he only made a 15, God opened the door for him to be accepted in Xavier University. And he tested out of all remedial classes and went on to get his degree in psychology. And now he's both a coach, a teacher, a counselor, and our youth pastor. Come on, let's thank God for that. And he gives all glory to the Lord for what he has done. To God alone be all the glory for the things he's done. I want you to give Sam and Kristen just a warm applause. Why don't you stand? Let's welcome them as they come and minister the word of the Lord. God is good. He's a good God. He's a good God. Church, um, like Pastor said, you know, last week uh, I decided to post a post on Facebook. Um, I was uh, listening to a message uh, that John Gray had posted, and um, he said, uh, Jesus is not make-believe. And I said, you know what, God, you know, if he, he said, he said in, the, um, in the, his message, he said, uh, if Jesus is real, then why are so many of us so quiet? And he quickened in my spirit, okay, Sam, you know what, you got to testify and tell about the goodness of God, you know. So um, that's why I'm here this morning, and um, me and Kristen are going to share God's word. So we're excited to share with you guys what God placed in our heart. We can tell you ahead of time, we're not going to be in here too long, but uh, <laughs> we feel like I said, God placed a, a word in our, in our spirit for you guys in this morning. So before we get started, we'll go ahead and start, start in prayer. So let's bow our heads. Um, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord God, just grateful, Lord God, for your love and your kindness, God. It's my prayer, Holy Spirit, that you will come into this place and that you will change lives, Holy Spirit. Make us all whole, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, like, Lord God, like I pray every time, Lord God. Give us eyes to see, Lord God. Give us ears to hear, Lord God. Give us minds to understand your plan and purpose for our life, Lord God. It's our prayer and desire, Lord God, to be your hands and feet, Lord God, to touch your people, Lord God. So I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity, Lord God, to come and preach your word, Lord God. It's my prayer, Lord God, that it be none of us, Lord God, but all of you, Lord God. Use us as vessels for you, Lord God. So I thank you once again, Lord God, for breaking every chain inside this place this morning, Lord God. I come against every attack of Satan that might try to come and steal, kill, destroy the plan and purpose that you have for people inside of this place this morning, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for once again awakening my spirit, Lord God, of joy, of peace, Lord God. I thank you for encouraging, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for strengthening us who are weak, Lord God. I just thank you, Lord God, once again for fresh for a fresh spirit, Lord God, a fresh anointing, Lord God, a fresh rededication, Lord God, to you, Lord God. And we continue to give you all the praise and glory. It's to your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. So once again, we are so excited for this opportunity to share. And um, we have a little video, kind of to intro our message this morning. Um, most of you all know I lead the worship, and Sam and I both are youth pastors here. And this morning, God just dropped something on our heart, and it was funny. They didn't know that we were talking about discipleship, and they 
sang the song we seeking him this summer. But anyway, we're going to challenge you what God's been challenging us as we've been praying and seeking him this summer. But anyway, we're going to start with a quick little video. Why are we here? At another Christian conference to hear from another Christian preacher, teacher, or YouTube sensation about how we can fulfill the Great Commission, but is it working? Do we really go back to our states, cities, and neighborhoods and bring to life the myriad of sermons and workshops that are sitting Indian style in our minds bored, staring at a wall in our brains full of post-it notes about what discipleship is or isn't while the members of our body stay paralyzed to the pew. That was a double entendre, by the way. I am a poet that knows all too well about knowing a lot and doing nothing. And whether you know it or not, we are all quite skilled at unintentional discipleship. Like a father whose fist makes war with his wife's face daily in the master bedroom of a two-story home down the hall. The noises and bumps remind his six-year-old that monsters, monsters aren't in closets anymore. They sit at the head of our dinner tables, clueless to the truth of how wonderful a job they're doing at transforming a child into a future murderer. See, we are all fathers and mothers often unaware of what we are inadvertently teaching the infants that will swallow the eternal life for the first time in our church's children. Children of God, that is, watch us read and study and preach and even feast on sodium-rich crackers, a cracked portrait of the broken skin of God. Drink juice or wine doesn't taste too much like blood, though red words bleed from our speech. But have they seen the resurrect in our actions? If not, why is that? Could it be that we, us, Born-again human beings have exchanged parents and apparently become the children of father time, living between the ticks and the tocks, making sure there are no seconds left for anyone else but us. What slaves of Christian busyness we have become. Does the Great Commission only apply to missionaries? We don't have time to disciple right now. Our hermeneutics course is about to start. Someone is watching, but love, watching and learning how to do everything under the sun, but love. Love like God, remember him? The one who had men and women that he gave up his life for. Not just his body, but his life, his time, his days after the moon rose from the grave, they were his schedule. Their souls is what he watched and shaped and loved around the clock. They saw him live life, learning how to please God by example. They followed in his steps a map into eternity, even now. At the right hand of the Father, he is yet to leave us walking along the gospel. We must follow before we lead, lest we lead them into somewhere where God is trying to snatch us out of. Let us make war with the ticking in our minds before our time runs out. Amen. Amen. It's so powerful, and I hope you caught what she said. She said, whether we realize it, inadvertently, we are all disciples. You know, the last couple of weeks, pastor's been talking about being the church. Dr. Stacy went on to talk about um, walking in our purpose, and he told us that overall across the church that we have one big purpose. How we do it is different, but we do have one purpose. Love God, love people, and make disciples. So this morning, I want to challenge you and your thoughts and our comfortable Christianity because that's what God challenged me. That guess what? Each and every one of us, whether you like it or not, you are called to be a disciple. You know, we've heard it said over and over and over that God didn't call us to be Christians. And in the American church, we settled for this, you know, thing. Well, I just want my children to be Christians and to go to church. But ultimately, we've missed out on what God has called us to be. And we see it now because our generation my generation as millennials and the generation under me, Generation Z, they're running out the church doors because they're tired of a fake life. So this morning, we come to talk about, guess what? Being disciples. We said training the next generation of disciples, but not just that, afresh, us coming back to the heart of being disciple, not just settling for mediocre life. 
not just settling for mediocre Christianity, but afresh being a true disciple. Because whether you like it or not, you're a disciple of something. And so our first point this morning, that if we are going to train the next generation, if we're going to disciple the next generation, the first thing is that afresh we must commit in our own lives to being disciples. And amen. You know, um, like Kristen said, you know, uh, it's powerful. You know, first, in order for us to lead others, we must first um, become disciples. And um, that comes with surrenderance, you know. And uh, what I realized is we, when we were studying and, you know, just praying about our, our message on discipleship, you know, God dropped in my heart. Um, he said, okay, once, once you realize that you are called to be a disciple, then there's a commission. You have to go out and make disciples. So once again, first we have to realize that we have to first become a disciple and begin to surrender our lives, but then we have to go out and make disciples. And for sometimes as Christians, especially when we are leaders in the church or we're pastors or you pastors, we can sometimes look everywhere to disciple. Oh, I'm a disciple to youth here. I'm a disciple to my children at school. But we can forget to disciple those right in front of us. And um, recently, uh, me and Kristen recently dealt, dealt with that recently. You know, over the summer, I had to take, me and her had to take a break because um, I was so busy, 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 running about everybody else, but I was neglecting my family at home. You know, so um, God began to deal with me and say, Sam, you got to get things in order in your own house before you can go out and try to disciple others, you know, so one, the, you know, our next point we have that we realize for parents, parents, guardians, aunties, uncles, teachers, um, what you first must do is disciple your own children first. You must first disciple your own children. And there's a, um, a picture that I need you to show Justin, one of my favorite movies, y'all gonna laugh when y'all see it, but, um, I done preached on this movie before, but, uh, it's a good movie. And as he's waiting for that picture, just a reminder, you know, so often we forget, not just yeah, as parents, know. but just across the board, that our first ministry is at home. Our first ministry is at home, and so often we relegate our children to be raised by the school system, to be raised by the youth leaders, to be raised by everything else, social media. And God is saying afresh, guess what? We have to realize that our first ministry, our first discipleship, before you can disciple anybody else, and don't get it twisted, you're called to be a disciple, but your first ministry is discipling your children. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm actually cutting into my notes, but uh, <laughs> all right, everybody. So here we got this awesome movie that everybody knows. I love Lion King. I, I believe that when they wrote Lion King, they were probably, you know, um, influenced biblically because this, this, this movie has so many lessons by it. But what you see here is this awesome guy, Mufasa, and his young cub named Simba. That's his son. And I, I took liking to this because I'm a father, and I have a son, and I have, I have kids. Um, but what you see here in the movie during this part, Mufasa's telling um, Simba, he's telling everything that the light touches is going to be yours. He's telling them, you're going to, he's walking them around and saying, hey, you know what? This is the circle of life. This is how life works. He's telling them, he says, hey, you know what? He's teaching them how to, how to hunt. He's teaching them how to be a man. Because one day he, re, he, he began to tell um, Simba, you're going to be a king. And one thing I realized when we're talking about discipleship of our kids, we set the, court, the standards and the course for their life. What are we speaking over their lives? What do we tell them? Tell them as a child, hey, you're going to be a king. You're going to be a child of God. You know, you're going to be a mighty man of God. And what Mufasa was doing there, he was telling Simba ahead of time. He set the course. Hey, man, you're going to be a king. It's destined to you. It's not a question about it. You're going to be the future king. So my, for my parents and my guardians, my grandparents, I want to encourage you guys this morning. You have to begin to set the course for your children's lives. And my life, for my, with my own kids right now, I'm telling them, hey, you know what? You're going to be great. I remember when I was small, my mom used to come inside the room and say, you know what? You're going to be a prophet, Sam. You're going to be a man of God, Sam. And I didn't understand back in the day. I'm like, okay, mom, go ahead. You're praying on me. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. But you know what? She began to set the course. She began to set the course. So when I fell astray, I had to come back. And once again, so like I said, you know, it's, 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 ama it's amazing how when we begin to set the course for our kids' lives and begin to speak over their lives, they got to come back. Yeah, they might be astray right now. Yeah, they might be doing their own thing right now. When you set that course, though, they got to come back. So I want to encourage parents and, and you give you guys a heads up. It's not too late. Yeah, they might be in high school or college, 
but you say, you know, I'm going to set the course. And that's my mission, even with my own kids, with my youth group. Editors, you know, I begin to realize, okay, God, you know, Sam, you got to begin to set the course. Tell them who they are in Christ. Begin to train them up, walk them around. This thing about discipleship is not just sitting in the pews. It's not just up here preaching to you. We got to begin to walk it out. It's a new way of church, new way of church, you know. So, but what, what happens? What happens when we do not disciple our kids? What happens? What happens? And um, there's one more clip I'm going to explain to you guys. Not a clip, it's an it's a, uh, actual picture. I'm going to explain to you guys what happens when we do not disciple our kids real quick. Okay, here we go. Another, another little uh, picture in the movie, uh, Lion King. We got Timon, Pumbaa, and Simba. Now, we all know what happens in Lion King. Mufasa dies this tragic death. He dies a tragic death. Um, but don't forget, Mufasa, he told Simba who he was going to be. But what happened is, um, after Mufasa died, Simba began to stray away. He left home and went, and went to this different country. Now, what I'm, the twist I'm putting on this is, parents, when we do not disciple our kids, our kids are lost. They are lost and they stray away. And they go into a lost land. Now, what he goes, he goes to this lost land, he hooks up with Timon and Pumbaa. Now, I know y'all laugh at Timon and Pumbaa, y'all think they're all good. Now, what the Holy Spirit put in my heart is, these two fellas here, in this message I'm preaching today, these two fellas are bad. They're not good at all. Because what happens is, I want you to, I want you to think about Simba when they child. I want you to think about Timon and Pumbaa as the enemy here. Because what happens is, when, when they find Simba laying down, Timon and Pumbaa, eventually, at first they're scared. Oh, it's a lion. He's going to eat us. He's going to eat us. You know, that's, that's his job, to eat us or to you know, use us as food. But Timon tells Pumbaa something. He said, ah, you know what? If we train him like us, if we teach him to act like us, he will become one of us. And see, what you have to begin to realize is when we're talking about training and discipling our kids, right. if you don't train and disciple your kids, something or someone will That's train right. them. That's whether right. it be the Snapchats, whether it be the uh, sports, whether it be social media, whether it be drugs, whether it be pornography, whether it be lust, something's going to train them. And what Timon and Pumbaa realized real quick, but not, not, not Pumbaa, Timon realized real quick, hold up, if we train him, he'll become one of us. And what happened here is, here we have a lion. His mindset, his destiny is to be a king. But because he hooked up with, a, with a Timon and Pumbaa, Timon and Pumbaa, he began to walk like them. He began to talk like them. He's singing a kuna matata, it means no worries. Well, last I checked in my Bible, the Bible didn't say that I won't worry. It didn't say I won't stress. Once again, it says the, it says the exact opposite. You know what? Cast my worries to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Because you know what? Life is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. But if I remember the call, if I remember the purpose of my life, you know what? That I won't stray away. But what happens is he hooks up with them. Sim begins to sing like them. He begins to eat bugs. When have you seen a lion eating some bugs? But he began to eat bugs because he hooked up with Timon and Pumbaa. Family and church, I want to encourage you this morning. Hey, you know what? If you do not disciple your kids and begin to speak over their lives and begin to set the course and standards for their life, they're going to hook up with a Timon and Pumbaa. I want to ask you guys a question, and it's a challenge you guys. Check your kids' friends. Or they hang with a Timon and Pumbaa who just sitting there saying, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm excited about eating bugs. I'm excited about just sitting here and being happy. No, hook up with somebody who's going to challenge you, who's going to bring you higher. You say, you know what, man? You know what? I'm, I'm looking. And you know, one reason why I love my brother-in-law, first, he's my brother-in-law, but secondly, he challenges me. He challenges me, you know what, not to stay the same. I can't just stay the same hanging around Justin. And Justin's constantly moving up. And I say, you know what, I'm not trying to compete with him. But you know what, I have to continually move up. You know, so I can't just sit up here and be content with where I'm at. Ask yourself a question. This is for the parents and for the kids. Who am I hanging around? Are they bringing me down? Am I complacent? Am I just happy with where I'm at? Or am, or am I desiring to go higher? You know, for the longest, uh, Justin had been getting on me about getting in the gym. Sam, get in the gym. Sam, get in the gym. I had a membership at French, and I paid a whole year, and I, I might have went, went once. But I finally decided recently over the summer, I said, you know what, I'm going to get back in the gym. And you know what, one thing I realized when we get back in the gym um, during the summer, while we was there in summer camp, I was able to disciple some young people while they were teaching me how to work out. Not just that, Justin began to disciple me in the area of training, but I began to hook up with people. And now you know what, I'm, I'm growing physically and I'm growing spiritually because I decided to say, you know what, I'm going to hook up with people who want to bring me higher. So once again, church family, I'm just going to give you guys the, the commission. You know, God has called you to make disciples, but do not forget about the people who are right in front of you. Check and see who's pouring into their lives because once again, if they hook up with a Timon and Pumbaa, I can promise you their whole identity will change. Simba went from thinking that he was a king to just being satisfied with eating bugs and, and being, being, being mediocre. 
that's not God's call for your life. God has called you to greatness. That's one thing I'm, I'm learning as I, as I teach. God has called us to greatness. We have to surround ourselves with people who are going to uh, challenge us to be better in Christ. You know, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. God has given us a commission that, guess what, in everything that we do, we should be teaching those around us. And those of you who say, well, praise the Lord, I don't have children. I ain't got grandchildren. They all out my house. That doesn't excuse you. Because God has called us all to be disciples. Who is around you? Who are those co-workers around you? Because whether you like it or not, you're discipling somebody. Because somebody's looking at your life. And so guess what? When you walk and when you talk, when you rise and when you sit down, you should be teaching and your life should be living in such a way that somebody can say, okay, I see the Jesus in them. But our third point is, we cannot replicate who we are. Well, I should say this. We replicate who we are. As much as I tell my kids one thing, if I do something completely different, that's what they become. You know, we laughed um, the other day when Sam gets upset, he always said, he kind of follows something. If he's cleaning up, he's like, man, shucks. Y'all kids always leaving these toys out. So the other day, we had Kylie cleaning up, and she was trying to get Izzy to clean up, and he kept pulling the toys out. And she goes, man, shucks, Izzy, you always pull the toys out. And it was so funny. Her facial features, everything mirrored Sam's exact image of the way he says it. Now, he never sat down and said, Kylie, when you get upset, this is what you say. He never did that. But by watching him, she began to imitate him. And so guess what? Our kids... Our, the people around us, they watch us and they imitate us. Okay, the disciples around us, the people that we interact with in church, they watch us and they imitate us. So guess what? We wonder sometimes why our children don't have certain con different convictions. We're like, we asked most of the kids in our youth group, we just kind of went down the list of different convictions. We're like, okay, who thinks it's okay to lie occasionally? About half raised their hand. We say, who thinks it's okay to cheat on a test if you didn't study? Everybody raise their hand, okay? You know, and then we, but we went a little deeper. We said, well, who's okay with fornicating if you're not married, if you love that person, and you're pretty sure you're going to marry them? 75% of them raise their hand. And the list went on. Some were bigger and some were smaller. But we began to realize, you know what, guess what? This is so often what they see. This is what the world says. And because of that, we've taken on those convictions and those beliefs. And as parents, we've got to realize, guess what? If we want our children and those around us to have certain convictions, we've got to begin to live like it. You know, one thing my parents, they, which they did tell us to pray, but one of the things that I remember them doing is, guess what? I would hear my mama waking up early in the morning and praying. Even when it came to worship, I remember my daddy walking around the house singing praises to God. Don't talk about if it was a really good day. He'd be in the store, and my mom would say, Neil, you're getting too loud, you know, but he would worship. But how many of us do our kids see us worshiping God, but we want them to come to church and worship God? We want them to serve a God who Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, we don't serve. And then we wonder why our children leave to never come back. So guess what? If we're going to train the next generation, we have to realize it starts with us. And we replicate who we are. Not just what we say, but who we are. Yeah, I think too often, um, you know, we've um, preached the gospel sometimes as parents or even as mentors. Do as I say, but not as I do. And, you know, once again, I just want to, you know, once again, just, you know, give a public service announcement. This generation, they watch everything we do. They watch everything you do. Love my sister heaven, but she's a critical thinker. And she's going to analyze everything I do. She's going to say, well, okay, Sam, you told me that, but this is what you did. Okay, well, this is not making sense, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of times, that's how our kids are thinking, and everybody who we're bringing up. They're thinking, well, you're saying one thing, but you're doing something else. So once again, you know, we, sometimes we're looking for the answers, and, and you know, we, we're lost, and we're, you know, all over the place, but sometimes, hey, you know, we got to look at ourselves and look in the mirror. And say, hey, you know, what, what am I putting out there? 
do, do they see me serving Jesus Monday through Sunday, or do they see me just serving Jesus on Sunday? And too often, many of, many of us inside the church, I'm not talking about people who lost it, I'm talking about people who know Jesus. I mean, too much for too often, too many of us who, who are inside the church, we're preached like I swear, we serve the God that's only existing on Sunday and not Monday through Saturday. So once again, we have to once again allow God to come back into our hearts and our lives and begin to be displayed through everything. Just one little small part I put in there. I posted something on Facebook. But once again, um, when I put in the post, just one little small part I put in there. The change we want to see, we must first display. I can talk about it. I can say, oh, this is wrong. That's wrong. This is wrong. You did this. But ask myself a question. The change that I want, am I first displaying it myself? Because if I'm not displaying it myself, if I'm acting crazy and not displaying the change that I want to see, then everything I'm talking about is null and void. Because what happens with, the, with this generation, they get confused. Well, I want to respect their teachers, but when I come to school, I, I cuss them out. I want to respect their pastor, but while, but while I'm at home, I talk about them like a dog. I want to respect this person, but I do this and this and that. So it's sending mixed signals to them. And their minds are going crazy, like, hold up, man, they're saying one thing, but they're doing something else. So we have to begin to check ourselves and realize that everything we do, they're watching, they're analyzing, and they will imitate it. I promise you. They will imitate it. So we have to be constantly realizing, you know what? It's constant training. I can't take a day off. I can't take an hour off. It's constant training because if, if, I, if I take a day off, take an hour off, you know what? They kind of go backwards. So we have to once again realize, hey, you know what, God? You called me to make disciples with my first disciples or my kids. But once again, realize, hey, you know what? I'm replicating who I am. If you want to look at yourself, look at your kids sometimes. And they're a direct reflection of us. And that's, that's a challenging, that's challenging me as a father. That's challenging me as a youth pastor. Right? I ask myself a question, hey, you know what? How effective am I as a youth minister? Look at my youth. And, and as, as harsh and harder that sometimes it appeals for me to swallow, I got to look at them and say, okay, hey, you know what? They got some areas I got to improve. A lot of areas I have to improve because they are a direct reflection of who's leading them. So once again, guys, I want to encourage you guys that God has given us, he's given us a mission and a commission to train, to train and make disciples, not just to sit back and talk about it, but we got to get on the, get, get on the ground and start moving. Amen. Um, if you could put Matthew 16, 24 on the screen real quick. You know, and once again, Jesus is, he's calling us afresh to discipleship. And I say, you know, we talked about parents, but we don't want to leave anybody out because in truth, God is challenging us all to go afresh to disciples. And, you know, all throughout the Bible, this is what Jesus did. He said, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Next verse. And it goes on to say, um, if anyone wants to save his life, he must first lose it. But anybody that chooses, if, if you want to, um, there we go, so I won't have to. You know, God is challenging us. If we'll lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. You know, God is challenging us that guess what? As true disciples, you've got to be willing to sacrifice it all. That's what he's calling us back to, even as a church. If we're going to say we're going to be the real church, we're going to train the next generation, we want to see life be something different than what's been happening the last 10 or 12 years, then guess what? We've got to look at us and say, okay, God, afresh, I pick up my cross and I follow you. I choose to look to you. You know, and our third point is, guess what? We have to love those around us enough to teach them the truth. And what does that mean? For so long as a church, we've taught them that, guess what, Christianity is easy. You say a sinner's prayer, then you go on and you do life. But that's not how it works. We've got to go back to a fresh end. Okay, guess what? I pick up my cross and I follow after you. Yes, that might mean I might lose some friends. Yes, that might mean, guess what, I can't do everything that everybody else does. You know, we were talking over the summer with some of our youth, and they're like, well, I just really don't want to serve God because it's not fun. You know, and at first we were trying to convince them, well, you know, serving God is fun. And cool, that's all fine and dandy because we can have fun in Christ. But the reality is, guess what? If we want to see a generation serve God, we've got to teach them the truth that, guess what? Being a true believer is hard. 
life is hard. You will be rejected. You may never be rich. You may never climb the social status. And that's what God is challenging us because sometimes we're so caught up in life that, okay, I just want to climb the social status. I just want to make X amount of money. I just want to enjoy life. But being a true disciple, guess what? You may not enjoy life as you know it. And over the summer, God has been challenging Sam and I and making us uncomfortable to do some things that we don't always want to do. That Because guess what? Being a true disciple, God is saying, okay, I'm calling you to out of your comfort zone. I'm calling you out of the norm. And that's the call today that he's issuing to the church. That if we're going to have true disciples, we've got to teach them the truth. we got to love people enough to say, hey, sin is sin. Fornication is wrong. There is no if, ands, and buts about it. We've got to love them enough to say, guess what? If you keep going down this road, you're going to end up in a ditch. And we strayed away from that as an American church. We don't want anybody to tell us about ourselves. And God is calling us back to a heart where it says, guess what? I've got to be real enough. I've got to love somebody enough to tell them the truth. I'm so thankful for parents that when they see us not training Izzy and Kylie right, my daddy quickly calls us out. But I'm thankful. Kristen, he getting out of control. Y'all better reel it in, you know. But I'm thankful because he's been where we've been, he's been where we're at. He's been a young parent before. And I'm thankful that he's constantly saying, okay, guess what? My kids are older now, but I've got to continue to disciple them. And it's the same thing. Whether you have kids, coworkers, or whatever, they're looking at your life. Yeah. Um, one thing, you know, we was uh, listening to a message uh, recently also. Uh, and uh, the you pastor said something powerful. And, it, you know, it made a point in my mind when I was uh, listening to he said, you know, um, for his youth, sometimes he struggled with um, being their pastor or being their friend. And he said, you know what, man, God called them to be their pastor, not to be their friend. Same thing when it comes down to our, our kids. God called me to be Izzy, Kylie, Chloe, and the baby in the way, called me to be their father, not the friend. Um, my youth in his church who I deal with, hey, you know what, God's called me to be your youth pastor. Not your friend. I love you, and I treat you, and I call you brothers, and I give you a hug and all that. But at the same time, God has called me to shepherd you. And sometimes that line gets blurred where we think, well, hey, even as a teacher, God's called me to teach you, not to be your friend. And a lot of times when we begin to be, just try to be their friends, it, it begins hard to tell them the truth. Because now we're like, ah, oh, it's, it's okay. I understand. You know, I understand. You struggle real, you know. And we begin to be their friends. And you know what? The truth begins to get blurred up. And they begin to once again get, get confused. And, you know, and God, once again, he just convicted me. He said, Sam, you know what? In your household, you know what? Your siblings, hey, you know what? Hey, you know what? They live with you. You know what? I'm calling you at, at the present moment, hey, to be, yeah, yes, you're their brother. But at the same time, you know, you, along with your dad and, you, and your wife, you know, you, you are called to be their parents. So I have to correct, you know, I have to correct. I can't be their friend. So I want to encourage you parents, you know, I know, I know it's hard. I, I'm telling you, it's, it's this generation that we're living with now and raising up is hard. But at the same time, God's called you to be the grandparent. God's called you to be the parent. God's called you to, God's called you to be the teacher. He didn't call you to be the friend. And sometimes when we, when we blur that line of being their friend and their parent, they get confused. And sometimes what happens is that's when that complacency or familiarity begins to fall in. Well, you know, I'm too familiar with them, so I can't receive from them. Because you know what? Hey, you know what? The same person who's trying to correct me now, they're doing the same thing I was doing. Or they was encouraging me to do the same thing. So parents, once again, we have to realize, hey, we're, we're loving them enough to tell them the truth. There's responsibility for us to realize our role. We must realize our role as a parent, a pastor, you pastor. Whatever your role is, you have to realize that God has called you to that role. Don't blur that role with being a friend. God has called you to shepherd them. And like I said, once again, if we're trying to see true disciples be made, we have to begin to start correcting things. And that's one thing I realized as I prepared for this message. Hey, you know what? A lot of stuff we're talking about, man, you know what? Hey, I had to say, you know, pastor say, uh, say amen or oh me. And I had to say oh me. Because sometimes, even with my youth group, hey, you know what? I, I became their friend too much. So, you know what? So, instead of sometimes correcting them, you know what? Some things are allowed. And, you know, and, and it's awesome that God convicts us, you know what I'm saying? And allows us to begin to redirect things. So, I can tell you right now, we're going in a different direction. You know, hey, I love y'all. I love everybody who I've shepherded over the years. But, hey, you know what? Hey, I'm going to still text you. I'm going to still, you know, I joke and clown. But at the same time, God's not calling Sam to be your friend anymore. 
God's called me to be you, pastor. So I'm going to pastor, and I'm going to lead you in the right direction. Because what I've seen happen is because I've become some, some of their friends. And sometimes not correct when I need to correct, they're straight away. And once again, now you know what? Hey, you know that their blood, that blood is on my hand. Because you know what? I didn't shepherd correctly. And I realized I have to take responsibility myself and say, okay, you know what, Sam? Get things corrected. So parents, like I said, it's not too late. I know sometimes it's rough. First thing, oh, you know what? It's too late. No, it's not too late. Start correcting things now. I realize, hey, you know what? God didn't come to be. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm realizing this, this as, a, as a parent now. He didn't come to be their friend. He come to be, their, be, to, be, you know, to be their father, be their pastor, and lead them in the right direction. Lead and show them and teach them. Train them. Once again, when Jesus called his disciples, Jesus was constantly teaching, constantly training. He was following after him. He didn't say, let me, let me be like you. No, you know, he began to train them on how to act correctly. So once again, guys, you know, let's love them enough to tell them the truth. But also at the same time, realize, hey, you know what? God's given me a role, and my role is to be the parent. My role is to be the guardian. My role is to lead and guide them in the correct, uh, in the correct way. Amen. And just to realize, you know, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it's not I live, but that Christ lives in me. Discipleship requires sacrifice. Discipleship requires sacrifice. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to go back to sacrificing. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost things that you want, but truth. It's going to cost you the things that you want, but true discipleship requires you that you give through your life. Because guess what? It requires us to walk alongside of people. And this is why it's not church as normal. Because no longer can I say, okay, this is what you do, and then walk off and leave somebody. I've got to begin to walk through life with you. That means, guess what? i got to come alongside of you and say, okay, guess what? I see this is what you're doing, but let me just help you out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And guess what? True discipleship means, guess what? we got to go into the trenches where people are at. When Jesus called his disciples, he saw, he found them right where they're at. They were fishing. But guess what? We look at just the fishermen, but he saw them for who they were. They were cheaters. They were liars. They were deceivers. He knew Judas was going to betray him, and he still called him and said, come, follow me. And that is the call that Jesus is afresh calling to us as a church. He's saying once again, come, follow me. Pick up your cross because I see where you're at but I'm calling you up to higher. And that's what we have to do. We got to begin to see the potential in people. I see you right now, but I'm calling you up. I'm calling you out and I'm going to bring you alongside of me. Pick up your cross and follow me. So true discipleship requires us afresh to get in the trenches, to go where people are at. And for the longest, we always thought it was just street ministry, but it could be social media. Young people today, they're not on the streets. They say it's too hot. Okay? So guess what? Sometimes it's the way we interact through social media, Snapchat, whatever. Young people, millennials, Generation Z that are in here, God is calling you today. He's saying, guess what? Once again, I'm issuing the call to follow me. Yeah. It's going to cost you, but I'm saying true discipleship, in the end, it's worth everything. It's worth everything. Yeah. You know, and, you know, like Kristen said, you know, true discipleship, you know, requires that you give of yourself, you know, um, as you begin to walk through life with people, um, spend time with people, build relationships. You know, one reason why, you know, I'm here today, even in ministry, is because when I came to Luana, I, I, you know, began to be discipled. And people in this church discipled me, and I walked with them, and they walked me through my struggles. And, you know, we have to, once again, get connected with people. And begin to realize that relationships are key. It's key to get a relationship. You know, Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger. And I think too often now, people are alone. And we're not connected. And I know, I know there's different reasons why we aren't connected sometimes. But we have to begin to say, you know what, God, let me begin to forgive and, and, and get myself back connected and get myself back involved. So I can tr truly be a disciple of Christ. But realize, hey, you know what? God does not just call Pastor Neil to make disciples. He didn't just call Sam to make disciples, but he's called each one of us to make disciples. So, <laughs> for, like Pastor Simone Fallon said, hey, you know what? God did not just call Pastor to make disciples. He's called each one of us to make disciples. That's Kristen. That's myself. That's Joseph. That's Zeb. That's Jira. Mr. Kennedy. He's, he's called each one of you to go out and make disciples. So, you know, so there's your own set of 12 that you got to go grab. 
And I think sometimes we're focused on, hey, you know what, well, I'm just going to let the church raise him. Or the church uh, disciple him. But he realized, once God meets once you become a disciple of Christ, I have to go out and make disciples. So I want to encourage my youth. I want to encourage um, my senior saints, my seasoned saints. I want to encourage um, young adults like myself. Hey, you know what, guys? Realize this. Hey, you know what? God has commissioned me to go out and make disciples. And that means getting involved. We have to, once again, guys, get involved and begin to shepherd somebody. Begin to, be, you know, begin to walk with somebody and do their struggles because people are going through things. Like I, was telling, I was telling somebody during the summer, I said, man, I'm realizing more and more as I talk to people that people just need somebody to talk to. They're going through all kind of issues, all kind of stress, and need somebody to talk to. But sometimes, you know what, people, even like myself, we say, oh, you know what, they're okay, I'll leave them alone. And no, we have to begin to walk through life with people. And we have to begin to, you know, if God's, you know, if God, you know, is inside of you, then you have to begin to disciple. You have to begin to disciple. So I'm, I'm going to challenge my high schoolers, my high school campus, hey, you know what, begin to disciple. You know, once you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, we begin to go out and tell us, you know, tell us good news. That don't mean carrying the Bible, oh, you know, I love Jesus. No, it's, it's different. It's a little different. You know, um, I was watching, uh, and this is another message, but I, I was watching uh, Kung Fu Panda with Izzy, you know, um, uh, when I saw uh, the panda and the master, uh, his name is uh, Shih Tzu, the Le master. And um, what happened is uh, he told, Shih Tzu told uh, the panda, he said, the way, well, yeah, well, I'm not sure what his name is, the, the little rat, the little rat. He told, he told the panda, the way I train you, I realized it's different. It's different because the panda had different motivations. The panda was, more, he was a big guy, you know, the panda, he, he was motivated by food. So the way he trained him was using food. But what God dropped in my spirit was, you know what, when it comes down to training anybody, you know what, the same message, like Pastor said, but the methods sometimes have to change. So how we're going to reach people is going to have to change. Back when, when I was coming up, you could scare us to Jesus. Oh, you're going to hell. Well, I'm going to altar real quick. Okay. You tell these kids they're going to hell. Okay, well, I guess I'm, you know what, just going, I guess. And that's how, I'm just telling you, they respect Jesus. But as far as trying to scam with Jesus, nah, that ain't going to work. They want, they, they like that. I want to see something. You can tell me about David. You can tell me about everybody in the Bible. I, you know, I want to see something. How is God working in your life? You know what I'm saying? What is he doing inside of your life? You know, that's, that's why I realized on last Jesus' goodness. Because that John Gray preached, I said, man, you know what? Hey, you know what? I have to begin to tell about Jesus' goodness. Once again, if Jesus is real, why am I so quiet? I mean, if he's a real, if he's a, good, if he's a good, good God, if he's alive, why am I so quiet? And you have to begin to ask yourself the questions why, you know, I issue, you know, all these challenges. We got all these challenges going on. I say, you know what, I issued a testimony challenge. If God has done anything in your life, tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. Because you know what, that, that's going to help, once again, let them know that Jesus is real. That's going to help train them up to say, you know what, man, I have to serve Jesus. You know what, I have to, you know, he's real. He's, he's, he's alive. Once again, he's not make-believe. Because once again, you have other, other doctrines out here that are going to try to tell your kids, man, Jesus, this, 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 this character, Jesus, he's just, he's just a character in a story. He's not real. He's not. He's, he's, he's a fake character. Once again, we know we can, back, we can historically back Jesus. But at the same time, you know, we have to once again tell about Jesus' goodness in our life. And I realize more and more, if I'm going to help train up the next generation, then I have to begin to be bold for Christ. I have to begin to realize, hey, you know what, my methods might be a little different than back in the day. It's a, it's a little, maybe a little different than, than how we did it back in the day, reaching kids. But I have to, my methods might have to change a little bit. Um, I have to bring correction, which is the, that's, the, that's, the, that's one of the hardest parts I'm realizing as a, as, a, uh, as a youth pastor, is that correction aspect. Because I know sometimes, sometimes when we, we correct, we have to make sure that we correct in love. And I think sometimes, even as parents, you know, we can correct, you know, when, when I got spanked by my, uh, yes, I did, I got, I got spanked, well, not got, I, I was spanked by my parents. And um, Kristen, their, their style of spankers was a little different from my style of spankers. Um, you know, their parents, they would spank them and then come talk to them and, Oh, you know, I still love you, all that good stuff. That's not how we and Grace was, we went, we went real like that. Mm-mm. No, you know, um, if a mama spanked me, uh, you know, she'll spank us, and you go in the room. That was it. Yeah, and I, I know she loved me, and then my daddy spanked me. Oh, my God. You know, he, he you know, I, I'll never forget one time me and Grace was cutting up, and my, my dad grabbed the belt. Uh, he grabbed it by the buckle, and he, he ain't bend it. Like, my mama should have bend it at least. He just grabbed it, shoot. And I mean, just, I, oh, my God. It was, it was one lick. But I remember that one lick. I said, my God, I never, uh, I, you know, I never act up like that again. But what I realized is what I'm, what I'm saying, guys, with that point is, hey, you know what? That correction aspect is hard. You know what I'm saying? It's very hard because we have to correct them in love. Because if we, if, we, if we don't correct them in love, then what they'll do is they'll stray away. And, and they won't respect you. They, they might fear you, 
They might fear you, but they won't respect you. So once again, guys, you know, I just want to encourage you guys, you know, that our methods might, our methods have to change a little bit. We have to bring correction. That's a tough part. But then we, last, we have to be consistent. We have to be consistent. We have to be consistent. And one, one part, that one person that's encouraging me with that consistency, please, Mr. Kenneth, I'm seeing how consistent he is with his, with his cell group of, of boys. And once again, what I want you guys to realize is, and I'm a life you're living, I realize this, though, you never know who's watching you. You never know who's, who's being inspired by the life you're living. And I can tell you, Mr. Kenneth, I'm, I've been watching. I've been watching. I'm seeing how, how those boys are growing. I say, you know what, man? It's, it's, it's inspiring me, once again, once again, to be consistent. Be consistent. If you're going to reach or disciple anybody, not just you, anybody, be old, young, middle-aged, if you're going to disciple them, hey, you know what? Your methods of reaching them might change a little bit. You have to bring correction. And lastly, you got to be consistent. Got to be consistent with them. And I'm realizing more and more, hey, if I'm going to be an effective disciple, and disciples of matter have to be consistent. That, consistent. that consistency piece is key. Because too often, people start stuff and we don't finish it. We got to start and keep walking. Jesus didn't stop until his job was done. He kept walking until the end. He kept walking. He kept pushing. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah, you know what? You know, he, you know, yeah, he wanted to give up. But he kept. He kept going. He kept going. So I just want to encourage the family. You know, I can I call you guys family you, because you guys are family. Family, you know, if we're going to disciple anybody, our kids, we're going to disciple our our uh, football teams. We're going to disciple our kids that we teach. Let's be consistent with it. Let's be consistent with being involved in their life. We can't just leave them off the street and not and not check up on them. You know. And once again, a lot of the stuff I'm preaching here, you know, was I had to say, oh me, oh me, oh me. Oh, okay, Sam, are you checking up on them? Are you, no, I've been checking here and there, but not like I need to. You know what I'm saying? So once again, we have to get back to realizing what God has called us to do: pick up our cross and begin to walk for Christ. So, um, with that being yeah, with that being said, we're actually closing now. You know, I told you guys we weren't going to be up here too long. We're closing now. There's a video we're going to play for you guys, and then we're going to let you guys have a happy, happy Sunday. Um, cause I, you know, cause I, all right. All right. Follow me. It's a simple request, sometimes spoken from a mother to a child a brother to a sister, a friend to a friend. It's a request that requires trust, belief, action. It requires you to put your faith in a person who will lead you to safety, to peace. A long time ago, Jesus Christ spoke these simple words to his closest friends and his invitation still stands today. Come, follow me. Follow me and I will show you how to love others and love yourself. Follow me and I will show you how to repent and be forgiven and forgive others. Follow me to turn things around, to start over. To navigate the storms of life and the storms of death. Follow me to find purpose, your purpose, God's purpose. He taught us the way, He showed us the way. And when we follow His way, we find new life. So this morning as we close, you know, I just want to leave this challenge with us that once again Christ is asking, will you follow me? Will you pick up your cross and truly follow me? Not just in living life that's comfortable, but what if he calls you to leave all that you know and to go somewhere else? He's calling us all afresh to be disciples, to pick up your cross and to follow him, to live a life of sacrifice, to get out of your comfort zone. You know, this morning, we pray that our words challenge you. We endeavor to share what God put on our heart. And this morning afresh, God is issuing the call. He's saying, come follow me, be my disciple. Whether you're young, whether you're old, He's a fresh end. Will you once again pick up your cross and follow after me and be a true disciple?
So this morning as we close, if you feel that, okay, God, afresh, I say, Lord, I once again, I want to be a disciple. I know that it may cost me. The Bible tells us, does a man build something without counting the cost? This morning, I want to leave the truth out there. Being a disciple will cost you everything. It's so worth it, but it will cost you everything. It will cost you your comfort zone. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your money. But this morning, Jesus is a fresh thing. Will you come and commit to being my disciple and to discipling others? So this morning, if any point touched your heart or you feel like, okay, God, I hear you. I hear that you're telling me afresh to surrender. I hear you afresh. You're saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. If that's you, just all across the church, we just like to pray. If that's you, if you would stand to your feet this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Father, afresh, Lord God, we choose to commit, God to being disciples, God. Father, we choose afresh right now to commit, Lord, to picking up our cross and to following after you, God. If you could just repeat after me, say, Jesus, today, afresh, I commit to picking up my cross and following after you. Afresh, I commit to fulfilling your word, to go into the world and make disciples. Jesus, give me strength, give me courage to do, to be all that you called me to be. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. So, Father, even now I ask you, Lord, that you would truly, Lord God, help us to be the people that you called us to be, God. There's a world that's waiting for us, God, to show the real Jesus, God, to be imitators of you, God. So afresh, just like you called your disciples this morning and they answered, God, afresh, Lord God, we choose to answer the call this morning, God. And we say, here we are, God. Use us, God. In the next upcoming weeks as we finish the year, God, help us, Lord God, to disciple those that are around us in our workplace, in our homes, Lord God, in our schools, Lord God. As we go about life, we thank you, Jesus, that you are going to help us, Lord God, to love you, love people, and make disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, didn't they do a great job? Come on, let's just thank God for that. Amen. Listen to me. Just while believers are just praying here, if you're here today and maybe you've never made a decision in your life to publicly acknowledge Jesus,